from Andres Bergen, the acclaimed creator of the popular graphic novel Bullet Gal, comes the retelling of the classic Tristan and Isolde. Tristan Holt turns things on its head and places our heroes in a 70s pulp world. Queenie rules with an iron fist, and when two of her best men are killed, it's up to her niece Trista to find out what happened. Tristan Holt by Andres Bergen. Available online at If Comics. That's If Question Mark C O M M I X. Issues also available at DollarDownloads.com. Hey Siri, beatbox for me. Here's one I've been practicing. Boots and cats and 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 boots Welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. <laughs> I like that voice. You that was good. <laughs> and we've got a very special episode for you today. We are joined by the voice of Siri, Susan Bennett. That's it was incredible to talk with her. She is She's awesome. fun. Yeah. So yeah. cool to talk to. So knowledgeable and charming. Yes. Yeah. Just just an all-around nice person. But to uh, actually hear about how she became Siri, very uh, very unconventional. Not what yeah, you seriously, expect. Seriously, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. So I th- found that very intriguing. So uh, I think you guys will, too. So uh, without any further ado, here is our interview with Susan C. Bennett, the voice of Siri. Thanks so much for being with us today, Susan. It's uh, really a pleasure to have the voice of Siri on the show here with us today. Why, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> Fantastic. So how are you? How's the, uh, how's the weather in Atlanta? Are you guys getting the unseasonable warmth we're getting up here in Ohio? Uh, it was pretty warm today, but we've also had you know unseasonably cold weather. Uh, we Southerners don't really like it when it gets below freezing. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't like that up here either. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny because well, I, I think today I've been in Vermont, so I mean I, I should be you know accustomed to it, but I've lived in Atlanta for a really long time, so I'm kind of spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've never stopped in Atlanta. I've been through Atlanta, but never been there. Maybe you can help me. Isn't there a part of Atlanta where uh, that's kind of like underground, like the city's built over the old city? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, there's a portion of the city called Underground Atlanta which I think had something to do with um, the original um, train situation. You know, I'm not exactly sure. It used to be a a real destination, tourist destination place, Um, tourist destination, rather. And uh, but now I think it's 
sort of become like a mall. <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. It's the American way. That's hey. right. It becomes a mall, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Very natural progression. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to have to stop there sometime. I uh, always thought the concept was cool, just never had the time to stop. Well, the city is, it's a really cool city, and it's changed a bunch since the Olympics. In fact, we've almost tripled in population since the 96 Olympics, so... It's a very different city than it used to be, but it's uh, it's really great. It's it's beautiful, all kinds of trees. People are generally nice. <laughs> right. Well, trying to drive uh, 75 through Atlanta during rush hour, I, I totally believe you when you say the population has <laughs> It's crazy. Oh, yeah, we've become L.A. of the East. Traffic's <laughs> brutal. Yeah, traffic's just brutal. Well, uh, before we get started uh, talking to you about your uh, voice career, I wanted to backtrack a little bit and uh, start with your music career. Before you were into voice work, you were into music, correct? Right, right. From a very young age, actually. Actually, I started playing the piano when I was four. My parents had bought me this little one-octave toy piano, and our next-door neighbor happened to hear me play it. And I was picking out tunes, you know, at the age of three or four. And uh, he called my parents and said, I think your child is musical, and uh, my parents said, oh. <laughs> and this wonderful man gave me his upright piano. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I started taking piano lessons at a very young age, but I played by ear. So it was a really long time before I learned to read music because I would, you know, just ask my teacher, oh, would you please play my lesson before you go? And, uh, <laughs> of course, you know, I would be able to just play it, you know, after she left and didn't touch the piano till the next week. So, wow. <laughs> so, natural. Yeah. Sometimes the things, when things come too naturally to you, you tend to get a little bit lazy because of it. But, um, anyway, yes, I took piano lessons for many years. And then in high school, I started, um, singing and started being, you know, I was in a lot of different choruses and choirs and started doing, uh, you know, musical theater stuff in, in, uh, in school and in uh, a camp where I used to be a counselor. And then also continued all that in college. And I also started singing in a jazz band in college. Yeah, I've just, I've continued with music. I think music is basically the key point of my life. I mean, it's a, right. it, everything revolves around the music. And you're still very active in the music scene, correct? You and your yes. husband. My husband and I had a band together uh, for decades. I mean, you know, over two decades. And that was a, a private event band, so it was kind of a, a business type of thing, you know what I mean? Right. And so now we're just doing this, uh, we're doing two different bands now. One's called Boomers Gone Wild, and we play nothing but 60s and 70s rock and soul music. Oh, nice. oh man, that'd be great. Yeah. So much fun. It is so much fun, and we have a following, and everybody makes requests, and, and we even play songs that we don't know. I mean, you know, we're, we're familiar with them, and we'll just, you know, bumble on through them, and, and uh, amazingly enough, we, we do that. And uh, so it is just so much fun. And then we started another band called Siri Sings. Oh, man. <laughs> because as you probably know, you musicians in this particular point in time don't get paid very much money. I mean, unless you're Beyonce or, you know, Taylor Swift or somebody. <laughs> right. Just regular working musicians really are kind of getting the shaft. The, uh, that's that's been the downside of the Internet is that everyone expects to get art for free. Right. And, uh so anyway, uh, we don't get paid all that much, but we have a really great time. And we thought maybe the Siri Sings band that might attract some more people. So the Siri Sings band um, 
it is more of a variety. We do a lot of different types of stuff, but it's fun. It's nothing but fun now, which is great. <laughs> now, is that uh, also like covering songs or do you guys write your own original music at all? Well, my husband is a writer. He's written a whole album of uh, blues material. He really loves blues music. And uh, he's also a, a, a film composer. So he's, he's very good that way. I'm really not, I'm strictly the performer. I tried to write, but, um, I, I never came up with anything that I thought was any good. <laughs> I just, uh, sometimes can collaborate on lyrics or that sort of thing, but mostly I'm just, uh, just the performer. Well, you're your own worst critic, they say. So, you yes, know, which... yeah, well, that is definitely true. Yeah. Needed the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I Absolutely. think it's uh, good to be your own. I think worst it's a critic. sign of talent that you yeah. can recognize the things you'd rather improve in what you create. Yes, instead of just accepting, well, sure. it's good enough. Well, the thing is that sometimes it, if it's if you're too critical, it can be crippling because oh, yes. you know you tend to uh, you know oh I'm not I'm not good enough to do that, and and so right. you know you, you hold yourself back sometimes. I think I think it's a really a dangerous thing for all of us to compare ourselves to other people because you know we're all on our individual life's path and and you really just it's it's really hard not to compare yourself to other people but it's just it's it's um it's really a futile thing and it's really not something that's going to be helpful to you (laughs) (laughs) i think these days that's that's an even bigger issue than ever before you've got social networking makes it so easy to stack yourself up against not just the people you know and respect but every living human that has ever touched the internet right and because of the internet too i don't know for some reason people are just so so rude now with that they just they'll they'll say anything you know it's like you know a thought pops into their head and immediately drops down on you know through their fingers into the head (laughs) under the keyboard and it's uh I, i think it's just I really don't like it. I, I think uh, there's so much blah, 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 you know, going on. And people, everybody has an opinion and they insist on sharing it. Yeah, we've <laughs> all got to be heard. But I like yeah. to I really love, I love some silence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> silence is so nice. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to find silence in the age of entitlement. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> exactly right. Silence and dignified conversation are right. most endangered things in the world, That's right? right. Yeah. That's Intelligence true. and integrity. Mm-hmm. No, not so much. No. <laughs> so how then did you go from music into uh, the world of voice work? Well, it was uh, completely accidental, actually. Um, back in the day, uh, when there used to be um, a lot of jingle production and there would be a group of singers that did all of the jingles, and we would get together in groups of like four to six people and, and sing jingles for commercials. And we did this a lot. I mean, several times a week. And one day the voice talent didn't show up to read the donut of the commercial. So the owner of the studio at the time, uh, Doppler Studios in Atlanta, one of the owners, uh, Pete Caldwell, said, Susan, you don't have an accent. Come over here and read this copy. <laughs> and so I went, oh, I can do this. I did it pretty easily. And I thought, wow, they're... I need to pursue this. So I got a a voice coach, a fabulous voice coach, and then I got an agent, and I've been working ever since. And you've done advertising for huge, huge uh, companies, huge names, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, uh, Cartoon Network, Discovery Channel. Oh, yeah. I've been doing this for many, many years, so I think I've I've hawked just about... So do you have heroes in the field of voiceover work, or is it just something that's just a job for you at this point? You know, that's a funny question, because several people have asked me who my role models are, and and I've just always thought, 
Wow. Um, I don't really know the names of people that I think are really good, but I'll hear voices on different commercials and things and notice them, you know, and certainly there are a lot of celebrities doing voice work now too. And, uh, you can't, you know, they're, they're everywhere as well. I can't really name a specific person, although, you know, there, there are a lot of talented people out there and because of the internet and because of the because voiceover has sort of become a thing. You know, <laughs> 10 years ago, if someone asked me what I did for a job, I'd say, well, I'm a voice talent. They'd say, a what? What is right. that? You know, I had no idea what it was. And now it's just become this really popular thing. And um, because pretty much you can have your own home studio for not very much money. I mean, when I built mine, when we moved into this house almost 10 years ago, I'd have to say it was between about fifteen dollars and $20,000 to put it together. Wow. And now, if you have an iPhone and um, a thing called a mixer face, which is like a little amp mixer, right, and a decent mic, and if you can find yourself a nice uh, insulated closet, you've got a studio. And it's it's absolutely amazing. It's it, the the business has really really changed, and it's uh, it's it's night and day. I mean, it's a I, I like to call the voiceover business now kind of a the the wild west voiceover wild west because it really is a crapshoot. It's the type of thing where unless you're doing like medical narrations or something that's that's really taxing and and where you have to have a lot of skill reading long form scripts. Um, basically, if you just have a quirky voice and if you can, you know, sustain uh, a, saying a few sentences all, you know, one after the other in a in a fairly decent way, you you got a shot at getting a gig. And uh, really, yeah, it, <laughs> it really does. And also with, you know, back when the system was such that the client or the director or whoever would go to your agent and say, well, this is what I'm looking for. Give me your top five to ten people in this category. And then you'd have a really good shot of winning the audition. Now, uh, because all the audition, auditions come through email and you send out MP3 auditions, many times you don't know how many agents are getting the audition. You don't even know if they're going to some of these, you know, um, Internet uh, production companies. You, you have no idea, you know, back in the, in the past you'd be auditioning against, competing against maybe 10 or 20 people, and now it's hundreds. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's more available to more people at this point in time, but the competition is a lot stiffer. Absolutely, and the market is definitely flooded. I know we were uh, looking at getting some intros done for the show, and, uh, like, I was on Fiverr, and uh, what else is there, uh, like, Voices, like, one, two, three, or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple different websites. There are just tons and tons and tons of people on there offer, offering their service. I don't know where to even begin looking. You know what I mean? Well, the problem with those uh, play-to-pay sites like Voice123 and Voices Dot com. Um, there are a lot of really rank amateurs on there. Right. And, you know, it's uh, so it's kind of a mess. I, I guess there are different levels. And if you get to the top level where there's a, you know, the professional level, I'm sure you could uh, um, narrow it down. But uh, I have a wonderful agent in Los Angeles, and he and I were talking about uh, the competition and, and how you even win auditions. And he said that he had been talking to. Uh, casting agent and uh, and he said, "Well, tell me exactly how how these auditions how how are how do you choose the talent?" And uh, the casting guy said, uh, "Oh, you don't want to know." He said, "Yes, I do. This is my business. I, I I need to be able to tell my 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 talent 
you know, what to do and what's going on. And he said, well, basically, you know, sit down. He said, basically, it's kind of um, random. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, in other words, you may be working very hard on your audition and it may not even get heard. So, you know, because there are, there are so many, you can't expect the client to sit down and listen to 200 auditions. Right. And so you know it's going to come down to, oh, well, there, there are some people that my friend, you know, sent in. Uh, or, they, oh, I know this agency. I've worked with them a lot. So, so you listen to a few of their people. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy. It's really crazy. It's a shame to think that it's not enough just to have a lot of talent, that there's so much yeah. luck involved. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of frightening thought. Yeah. It's just yeah, like, uh, I'm sorry, go right ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think it's kind of a cultural thing. We're at a time that sort of, I like to say we've gone from whatever to it's all good. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that um, whereas in the past there was more emphasis and, and appreciation of, um, you know, professionalism and experience. And I really don't think that that counts for as much these days, unless you're talking about doing really difficult stuff, as I said, like medical narrations or something like that. Incredible. I would love to try my hand at voice work, but I'm sure I wouldn't uh, stand a chance. I thought about putting a demo together, but I don't <laughs> It's know. been a dream of mine, but we should all terrifying. We should all make a demo reel and put it on there. Just see what happens. Well, yes, yeah, absolutely. And the, thing, the nice thing about those play-to-pay sites they send you just a mountain of uh, auditions. And so it really gives you an opportunity to practice because that's one of the hard things. People don't realize that uh, voiceover isn't just having a nice voice, although that helps and it's a good place to start. But it's, it's like any other job. It requires uh, some skills. Right. And part of those skills are reading, <laughs> reading cold, being able to read something in a you know, a limited amount of time, like 30 or 60 seconds for a commercial. And, uh, and a lot of it is acting, you know, it's basically acting for the voice, unless you're just an announcer, unless you're just doing straight reads, it's, you're basically having to act with your voice. And so I always tell people to take improv classes, do anything where you, where you're put on the spot and you have to come up with the goods because the biggest hurdle I think is learning how to audition um, because auditioning can be hard. And now that you that we're all auditioning by ourselves, we're not auditioning face to face with the client, so we can't get any sort of feedback or we can't get any mm. direct direction. You know, face to face direction. Right. You're getting direction that you're getting in the email, and sometimes those directions are so long and involved that by the time you get to the end of the you know, of the description, it's almost the opposite of what they started off with. It's like, what are you looking for? And I think sometimes they don't even know. They just want to see what your interpretation is. So getting over the fear of auditioning, just getting used to auditioning is a big deal. So that's where those play-to-pay sites really come in handy because it forces you to practice and get used to it. I always feel like the voice actor has got to have it so much harder than the screen actor because you don't have the use of your body and your limbs to portray your feelings you have to push everything out through your voice and that's so much just one tool yeah 
That's well, see, a... for me, I think it's just the opposite because even if you, you know, you're doing a voice person, I mean, I use my hands all the time and I'm <laughs> moving around all the time when I do voice work. To me, you don't have those extra technical things that uh, screen actors have to have uh, being in the right spot at the right time or being at a certain angle so they've got the, the right lighting and all that kind of thing. All the technical things that you have to remember along with memorizing the script. See, that's another thing, too. You can be, we're real brats, see, we voice over people. We get to read the script. We don't have to memorize it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before you uh, voice Siri, Siri isn't the first time you voiced uh, like a piece of technology that's changed our culture. You were the voice of one of the, if not the first ATM, right? Well, sort of. It wasn't the first ATM. It was the first successful ATM in the country. Um, this was back in the late 70s, if you could imagine. I was two at the time. I was very precocious. And um, <laughs> they were trying to get ATMs you know, to be popular. And at that time, people didn't have personal computers and, you know, smartphones were years and years away. And so uh, people were generally just really suspicious of getting their money from a machine. They just weren't comfortable with it. And so the this um, ad agency in Atlanta called McDonald and Little uh, came up with the idea of personalizing the machine by, they gave her a face she kind of looked like the Swiss Miss. <laughs> and, uh, and they hired me to sing the jingle. So, I'm Tilly the all-time teller. So. Nice. <laughs> you know, Siri, uh, not Siri, uh, Tilly had a personality, and she was sweet and funny. And so, all of a sudden, people were no longer afraid of the machine. And she became the first successful ATM in the country because of that. So, uh, yeah, I call that my first my first gig as a machine. <laughs> That's very cool. Incredible to think that so many people are, are effectively growing up with your voice as, as part of the world around them, first in the form of that machine and now as Siri, which is everywhere. It's pretty wild to have that kind of cultural Absolutely. impact. And not only that, uh, you're the voice of Delta Airlines too, right? Correct. Delta Airlines gates worldwide. I, I tell you what zone you're in. You know? <laughs> That's incredible. So you probably get uh, recognized a lot uh, with the Delta voice. I mean, you Never. you you drop no, Never. It's really? really funny. And even with the Siri voice, one person in four years has recognized my voice, and it was a banker. I, I went into Wells Fargo, and I wanted to talk to them about you know transferring some money or something. And this guy says, "Boy, your voice sounds familiar." And I thought, "Oh my God, you're kidding." And so I finally told him that I was the voice of Siri. He goes, "Oh my word!" He said that. You know, and he knew he knew it. He said, "Yeah, I, we just got this. We just got this iPhone, and he, that sounds like your voice." I said, "Well, you shouldn't be a banker. You should be in the audio business. <laughs> you've got amazing ears." Right. Um, no, normally because my my regular speaking voice doesn't really sound a lot like Siri. Um, because the voice was manipulated after the recordings were done. You know, I, I don't know what they did, you know, use some sort of compression or whatever to make it sound the way they wanted it to sound. And also the Siri voice was pitched a little bit lower, and I can't really remember if I did that intentionally or whether that just happened because the recordings were four hours a day, five days a week. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that would get, it's, it was very, very tedious stuff. And so, you know, the Siri voice is more down here. Hello. Hello, Jeremy. And uh, so it's a, a completely different sound. And so people rarely, you know, know, recognize my voice. Plus, it's a, a question of context. 
nobody expects to hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a good you point. Know? About those recording sessions uh, that were ultimately used for Siri, they didn't start out for Siri, correct? Right. They were done for a text-to-speech company. And I was also working through another company here in Atlanta that I do a lot of messaging work for. And so uh, they came up with these new scripts and they said, would you be interested in doing this work? And as a freelancer, you know, just a working uh, voice talent, I thought, oh, yeah, this is great. There'd be tons of work. And uh, this was true of all of the original series worldwide. We did these recordings not really knowing where they were going to go. We, I was basically told that it was more phone messaging, that they were just going to be on phone systems, which technically is true. Uh, you know, the iPhone is a <laughs> phone system. But um, the difference is that all of a sudden, you know, when you do this type of work, it's very anonymous. And no one notices the voice on a, on a phone. You know, because you're you're too busy trying to get down a phone number. You're too you're too busy listening to the information that's being you know expressed. And so, you know, I thought, well, I got nothing to lose if you know if I'm just on these phone systems. No one's going to recognize it. But all of a sudden, when you become a persona, which is what Siri is, and that people are you know interacting with you regularly, it's uh, it's a totally different thing. One of the original series, who was male in another country. For instance, uh, he found out he was the voice of Siri, well, of course, it was another name in his country, during a recording session. And he was just absolutely shocked. And it turned out that the recording session he was doing was for a company that was in conflict with Apple. And he ended up losing his gig. Oh, wow. Yeah, so not only was he not paid for being on millions of iPhones, he lost his other gig. (laughs) And to be in the dark the whole time like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that I, I think that what happened is that the original Siri voices fell into that black hole between, um, business as usual and, uh, and technology, just the speed of technology. Uh, certainly the people that, that were behind the the scenes, certainly these people knew where, where the voices were going eventually. Um, but you know, I guess it's just, I, it's really a hard thing to talk about because it's uh, its very, it's kind of emotional in a way. And uh, it's just a strange thing to be considered somebody else, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't you know, really it's, it's, imagine. Yeah, it, it's really strange. I'm, I've learned to accept that and to have fun with it, but it took me a minute. <laughs> and when Siri was shown to the world, you hadn't even been informed, just like the other fellow, you hadn't been informed that you right. were going to be the voice of Siri. Right. And it found out through a friend. Right. On October 4th, 2011, when Siri appeared, a fellow voice actor friend emailed me and said, um, hey, we're playing around with this new iPhone app. Isn't this you? And I went, What? So I went on the Apple side and listened, and I went, oh, my God, <laughs> that's that's my voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, it was pretty weird. Yeah, I was going to, what was the, the initial reaction at first and then after it sunk in a little bit? How did you feel? Well, I really had ambivalent feelings. On the one hand, I was, I mean, I was really flattered to have had my voice chosen for this. You know, certainly they must have listened to a lot of voices. So, that was good. But on the other hand, I, uh, oh, I don't know. I just wanted to, to, you know, stick my head in the sand. Um, basically I'm kind of an introvert at heart. And so it was a question of, gee, what should I do about this? Should I, should I tell the world and, uh, 
and knowing that it could go one of two ways. It could go, oh, let's get Hershey's Siri, or oh, let's not get Hershey's Siri. And so uh, I really struggled with the the decision for a long time. And finally, my husband and my son both just harassed me about it. They just said, you're an idiot. (laughs) This is such a unique opportunity. And I just thought, okay, yeah, okay, you're right. I'm I'm just going to make the leap and see what happens. And it's been a lot of fun, I'll have to say. I've done a lot of really cool things I never would have had the opportunity to do had I not been the original voice of Siri. Now, it was a, like almost two years before you decided to let the world know you were serious, right? I know. Isn't that crazy? And it, I drove myself nuts for two whole years. It was really, really strange. What was the um, d- debate happening in your head there? I mean, why, why did, did you have uh, reservations as to revealing your identity? Well, a lot of, uh, of us voiceover people uh, are used to being invisible. We're used to being anonymous. It's kind of like the TV show The Voice where... When you audition, you, you're being judged solely on your voice and your performance. Oh, I see. And not, you know, who you, who you are, where you're from, how old you are, what you look like, all of those things. You know, which people can't help but making a judgment when they see you. They just automatically make a judgment. Oh, well, we can't use her. She's to this or that. You know, and so anonymity is a, a real plus in the voiceover world, unless you're a celebrity. And then, of course, you're going to be hired because you're Julia Roberts or John Hamm or someone. Right. Um, but so so for me, that was the debate. That was the debate. And uh, it really took a long time. I, I You know, I think I kind of would let myself not make the decision for long periods of time and then then it would come up again and you know it it really is strange that it took that long but it did (laughs) now when you did decide to reveal it you had been talking with someone from cnn i believe and they accidentally stumbled onto your secret and then when you decided to reveal you let them break the news right right there's a wonderful journalist named jessica rabbits and she is with cnn.com and she had called me in the summer of 2013 to talk about, she was doing a story about the Atlanta airport because I believe with its new wing, it's going to become the largest um, airport in the country, if not the world. And so uh, she was interviewing all the people whose voices had been used in the airport. And I used to be the voice of the train in the airport. I was the voice of that train for about 10 years. And, uh, and then I was also the voice of Delta Airlines Gates worldwide. So she was interviewing me about that. And just out of the blue, she said, are you Siri? And I went, oh, <laughs> gulp. <laughs> I said, you, you, yes, but you can't print that. <laughs> you can't say anything about that. Turns out she and I had had a mutual friend, and he had told her that I was the voice of Siri. So she kept her promise. And, um, and so when... Uh, my husband had finally decided we what we tried to do was get a hold of the Ellen show and we sent them an email and they ignored it. And so when I finally came out, we had this call from the Ellen show. We really want you on the show. I said, well, we emailed you a couple of weeks ago. Where have you been? And they said, Oh no. So, um, after, you know, we sent that email and nothing happened. And I, I told my husband, I said, you know, I need to, I need to get back in touch with Jessica because I owe her this story. She was so respectful and so courteous um, with the, the previous story. So I got in touch with her, and I ended up doing a little interview for CNN called um, the Red Chair Interviews, a Red Chair Interview. Yeah. And 
uh, took place in my house, in my house, and it was just a little nothing, you know, interview, just a little, you know, kind of interesting little homey story. And then CNN decided, well, wait a minute, this is this is kind of big, and so they wanted to make it a bigger deal and and put it on their morning news show. But before they did that, they said, well, we've got to prove that she's the voice. And so uh, they hired a forensic audiologist. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking to myself, what if this guy says it's not me? (laughs) 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 I'm thinking, oh, that would not, that would be just horrible. So anyway, uh, he he asked me to, to make some recordings, which he, he uh, compared to the voice on the phone, and he said, "Yep, that's Susan, 100%." And so they went with it, and I and I did the big the big reveal um, on the CNN morning show. What was it that uh, finally made you decide it's time to let the world know? You know, sometimes things just happen at the, at the time that they're supposed to happen. You know, right. uh, I finally just got up the courage to, you know, because I'm a pretty private person and I wasn't sure that I wanted myself to be out there, you know. And but then I thought, yeah, but this is really a unique thing. And you just need to just, you know, close your eyes and put your fingers in your ear and just jump. Just just <laughs> do it. And it just, you know, finally, I had just gotten so tired of, of the debate. Sure. <laughs> I said, you know. I knew that if I didn't do it, I would just be haunted with making the decision or not making the decision forever. So I thought, well, let me just let me just do this. And yeah, I can't really say exactly why it happened at that very time or why it took me all of that time to make the decision. It seems like an irrationally long time, uh, especially looking back on it. I thought, why did I put myself through that all that time? Oh no, not at all. I mean, that's a it's a big thing to let into your life. I mean, all the exposure that came with it. You mentioned being on CNN several times. You've been on Showbiz Tonight, uh, Queen Latifah show. You've even read the top ten on David Letterman. That's right. incredible. <laughs> right. So what what was all that sudden exposure like? Well, to tell you the truth, it was uh, funny. I just it felt very comfortable. I didn't have a problem with it at all. And I remembered, oh, I used to know how to do this. I used to do a lot of on-camera work, too. And I just thought, you know, this this is a, just a new departure in my career. So I'm just going to accept it as, you know, the Siri years. Right. <laughs> you know? I had a quick question for you, actually. And it's something I've often thought about when I thought about voice work and the professionals who get into the field. I think... Uh, A big part of it, and what scares me to think about, is being presented something to read. And I imagine a lot of the time you're presented something and it's the first time you've seen it. And to have that intuition as to how something should be said, what you need to convey while you're reading it, is that a difficult skill to acquire? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, I think that, as with all artistic things, you have to start out with the basic ability or intuition to do it. You know, um, I think that you, you have to have a sense of timing it's, and a, a good ear and a good sense of what to do. I think you kind of inherently have to have that. And that's why so many voiceover people come from either music, uh, radio work, audio engineering, or um, acting. You know, a lot of actors do a lot of voice work. And, uh, and I think that's the reason why you've, you've got to got to have a good sense of rhythm you've got to have good sense of timing you've got to have a a good sense of of how to express you know as you said earlier express all the emotions and and everything that you're trying to get across with just your voice um now you know i think those things are learned definitely learned and definitely 
improved upon by taking classes and, and having a voice coach and, and that sort of thing. But I think that you, you've got to start off with, a you know, some basic talent. Takes a bit of that natural edge. I yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Susan, it's been really great having you on here, but it's it's incredible. Whenever we have a guest on the show, we always kind of, uh, you know, brag to our friends and family, oh, we're having so-and-so on the show. And we've had so many of our heroes on, but... Uh, you know, when I tell my dad, for instance, oh, we're having uh, this person on, he just kind of shrugs it. Oh, I'm not sure who that is, you know. But with Siri, absolutely everyone, young, oh, old, yeah. everybody, everybody knows. knows who Siri is. You relate to everyone. You're not only the voice of uh, that new technology that we're also relying on, you're the voice of that new way of life. So, I mean, Siri has changed our lives so much. How has Siri, being the voice of Siri, changed your life? Well, actually... It's changed my career a lot because what I suspected might happen seems to be happening a bit. And that is that people always want to, I don't know, it just seems to be human nature to want to stereotype people. Right. You know, if you if you like to watch, you know, um, TV shows or series that, you know, have, you know, the same sort of actors, you see the same actors over and over again, and, and you'll see one person because, oh, yeah, that's the woman always and that always kills her husband. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, that's the guy that always plays the, you know, the creep next door or something, you know. And so people, you get stereotyped if you do a great job. It happens with uh, really, you know, even celebrity, you know, movie actors. They That's why they like to break out of the roles that they, you know, if they if they play one role and they get a lot of um, great, you know, critique about it, then they just, I'm sure they get offered that same role over and over and over again. Right. Um, and so this, the Siri thing has lent itself to a bit of stereotyping. And that's unfortunate because I really can do a lot more voices than just Siri. <laughs> and, wow. uh, so it's been a little disappointing in that, in that sense. Uh, on the other hand, all the other stuff that I've had a chance to do is sort of made up for that. And it's also led me to a new a new branch of my career, which is um, doing speaking events. And that's kind of fun. I've done speaking events at different uh, chambers of commerce and oh, uh, bookings through uh, to, to do some uh, meetings and tech conferences and that sort of thing. And uh, because, as you said, people are really, really fascinated by Siri, the whole idea of it. And, uh, you know, of course, the, uh, the, the technical people behind all of this, it's just, it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's, it's fascinating. And they've been working on this for years and years and years. Um, it only took them, you know, six years to take all of those recordings that started in 2005 to, to come up with all the Siri's answers. And by the way, people... Uh, <laughs> I did not come up with those answers, the program. <laughs> so I would just like to say, anytime you want to complain about Siri, you know, write to Tim Cook. <laughs> Very important don't, distinction. Don't, don't complain to Siri. That's not actually Susan telling you no. I can't, don't have the time to do that right now. <laughs> well, Susan, this has been an absolute blast, and I uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time to do this. And uh, people can check out her website. That's SusanCBennett.com, correct? Right. And uh, hear all the different range of voices she has on there. And I even believe you, do you have any of your music on there? I know there's something yes. about music, but yeah, there's. I think there's a link to our band called Interactive. I don't think there's anything there on the Boomers yet, but I think the Boomers. You can find some Boomers on YouTube. 
and serious things as well. And you can um, reach me on Twitter at seriously Susan, and that's serious S I R I. <laughs> O-U-S-L-Y. <laughs> That's awesome. Wonderful. Clever, isn't it? <laughs> so clever. Yeah. <laughs> I lost sleep over that one. <laughs> oh, great. Well, Susan, thanks again so much for spending some time with us tonight. Well, thank you. All right. And that was our interview with Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri. And uh, you can check out Susan's work again. Uh, go to SusanCBennett.com. Or you can find her on Twitter at Seriously Susan. Man, again, she was so much fun and She's uh, the best. so very nice. We had a great time, and uh, maybe we can get her back on sometime. Just That'd hang be out really with fun. us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, she'd be up for that. I think she would. We left a good impression, right? I think so. I liked it. Thanks. So. Yeah, yeah. I think we did. So, very cool. I guess that does it for this week, Jack. What do we have on the website? Our website. Go to www.candairpodcast.com where you can see highlights of the show, guest info. Listen to the show on the main page. Follow us on all our social media. Check out the Wall of Justice. See the Hall of Heroes. Go to our video page and check out some of the videos from our YouTube page. Yes, and find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. Get some uh, visuals along with, like Jack said, our YouTube and Facebook. There's there's a medium for us out there uh, for you mm-hmm. in one way or another, right? If you'd like to be a guest of the show or a guest on the show and promote your work, send us an email on our contact page on the website. There you have it. That's That was that was very nice. I like that. I'll put that together. You've <laughs> <laughs> got that saved, so it'll stay like that forever. A very sophisticated nice. experience. I really like that. That was good. Yeah, that was good. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Jake Runyon. Thank you, Jeremy, Jack, and Jake. I really enjoyed being on your show. Call me. Thanks for listening, everyone. And cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. I could do this all day. Cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. Oh no, the house is on fire. I need to get help. Do it from outside. Blowtorch. Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on candarepodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Man, this is weird. We could just ask her questions on there and then be like, Siri, say this. <laughs> it was hard. We got it. <laughs> Candair, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.